Would you stand with me, please? Today, God, we are thankful for you allowing us to be in this place. Be with us, lead us, and guide us. We are grateful to you for your love and your mercy. Uh, We thank you for your grace and your glory. We thank you for your kindness. Give us ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church at this time. We give your name all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Turning your Bibles with me to Ecclesiastes chapter 10. As you know, we have been in Ecclesiastes, and we are soon coming to a, an end. There are 12 chapters, and we are getting close. I am not sure where the Lord will be leading after that time, but we have been doing our study. And we have taken different approaches. We have looked at other books, other stories. We've gone verse by verse on, on occasion with some. And today we're going to look at two other um, Passages, or I won't say passages, but I'll bring up two other individuals as I go through this message today. This is what it says in Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verses 8 through 11. If you can follow on the board if you do, if you do not have your Bible, but I encourage you to bring your Bible. He who digs a pit will fall into it, and a serpent will bite him who breaks through a wall. He who quarries stones is hurt by them. And he who splits logs is endangered by them. If the iron is blunt, that's a metal iron, not the iron you iron your clothes with. If the iron is hot or is blunt, (laughs) and one does not sharpen the edge, he must use more strength. But wisdom helps one to succeed. If the serpent bites before it is charmed, there is no advantage to the charmer. May the, the Lord bless the reading of his word. I had the opportunity yesterday to go visit uh, Brother Nelson. We wanted to make sure of his salvation and um, said a word of prayer and he accepted again yesterday and the, the Lord is Savior. I, I'm, I'm one to want to make sure that when a person receives news uh, about their health and it's not good that do they know the Lord if they're a member of this church and, uh, and so we spent some time yesterday t- talking and looking at golf and you know, talking, and um, them, he and Sister Shirley put in their dog outside. I'm about to come in. The dogs, if they bite, they please put the dogs outside. And so they they put the dogs out in the back for me. And so we had some time. And so they're, they have people coming to visit. And so just want to encourage people to go by and visit. They say their house is, is open, and they are welcoming people in, as you would like to go by and visit. As a title for this message, I have given when precaution needs to be taken. When precaution needs to be taken. Different commentators do not agree on verses 8 through 10 in regards to exactly what it means and the way that it is arranged. They have different views. Some suggest that this really focuses on a work that a person may be involved in, and the injury that may result, it comes about because of a type of work. Some suggest it's not because it is a matter of sowing and reaping, but it's because of the work that one does, and one may just be injured in their work. There are others who say that this really is a view of a matter of sowing and reaping, and I would briefly like to address the passage on this aspect of sowing and reaping. Do you not know that we live in a world in which sowing and reaping is a part of life? 
There's no way to get around sowing and reaping. You are sowing something whether you know it or not. You're putting something out there. You may not even say a word, but your look says something totally, totally different. You may be saying, oh, I don't, I, I, I don't have anything on my heart, and yet your mind, your, your face is saying, oh, yes, you do. I have come to know some of the tones and some of the sounds that my wife may make, and I know certain facial expressions that, that, that means something. I, I know certain inflections, what they mean. I've lived with her long enough to know when she may be bothered with something and when everything's okay. I have still yet to really learn when she's joking because she can be so serious when she's joking. But we are putting something out there. Point one, setting the trap. And ensnared by the trap. Setting the trap. And ensnared by the trap. I just want to look at two examples. And briefly, that would be looking briefly at Jacob in the Bible and King Saul. Uh, Setting the trap. Work has its challenges in and of itself. If you have a job, if you work, it has its challenges. However, when traps are laid down for another person... There can be unforeseen turns and twists along the way. Esau and Jacob's mother, Rebekah, set some things into motion that she did not fully realize what would happen. Some things that we do, even in our everyday regular life, in our everyday work life, can have unforeseen dangers. We don't oftentimes know. Some of the things that are happening in the spiritual atmosphere around us. Satan has plans for your life. And he has traps laid out just for you. But there's some things that we participate in that we don't have to participate in. When we see these unforeseen dangers, there are times when we just need to run. Don't be afraid to run. So what if they call you scared? Run scared. Sometimes that's the best thing you can do. When we plan for that which is wrong, it can set events into motion that far outlive our initial intent. And in fact, it can outlive our very lives. We can sometimes set things into place that we had no idea what was going to happen. Trying to secure a blessing in the wrong way can quickly turn into a curse. You're trying to set something up. and Rather than going the right way or just accepting no, we set things in motion. And lo and behold, down the road, you have set a course for yourself that you wish you could take back. You don't want to try to secure a blessing in the wrong way. In fact, when you just try to do things right, you have obstacles that you must address and deal with. And even when the added layer of deceit is added in, And deception is set in place. You will have events set into motions that you never knew it would go to those depths. I have come to find out that trying to get even with people is not good. Trying to get even with somebody is not good. Sometimes we just need to say, Lord, 
you can just handle this for me. It may not even be trying to get even with someone, but it may be trying to elevate ourselves in such a way to where we set matters into course and set matters in a course that can work against us. While people should use precaution in right planning and doing that which is right, people often cast that which is right to the wind in order to get what they want. And therefore, they will choose to do that which is wrong because they really want something. And so they'll set something into motion that's wrong. This is what Rebecca did when it came to her son, Jacob. When she tried to secure a blessing for him through deceit. What you try to set up by deceit, it has pitfalls. Trying to do that which is right has pitfalls. But when you do something and set things in motion that's actually wrong, and you know there are pitfalls that you cannot see. And here you go along trying to navigate through it like a tar pit, trying not to be burned. So while you think you may be getting away, you will be ensnared. Life has things that happen that we need to be careful about. And so Rebecca set some things into motion that she didn't fully understand what would happen. She set something into motion where her oldest son, even though Jacob and Esau were twins, Esau came out first, that Esau threatened to kill his brother because he stole his birthright. Jacob had to eventually be sent away under false pretense only to be snared and deceived by his uncle Laban. You will read in Genesis chapter 7, excuse me, Genesis chapter 27 through 33, you can read the story of Esau, Jacob, and his mother Rebecca. And you will find that during this time that when, when Isaac was about to die and was preparing, this is Abraham's son, told his son Esau, I want you to go, go get that wild game. You are a good hunter and bring me my favorite food. And, and, and I, and I want to bless you. So I want you to go do this because I've got a blessing for you. So he goes out to hunt, gets his items. But Rebecca was listening. Says, I know what I'll do. I'll, Get the blessing for my favorite son, Jacob. And so she knew what her husband liked. She used to cook it for him. And so she told Jacob what was happening and put some things into place. And Jacob went along with it. Told him, quick, take care of this. Go do this. And he began to prepare the meal and and took the wool and placed it on on Jacob and because Esau was a hairy man and had a certain smell and took some of his clothes and tried to set things in motion in order to secure a blessing for him. If God's got a blessing for you, you don't have to steal it. If you were digging a pit for someone, if you're trying to, to, to sow something that's not right, be careful because you just may be ensnared. It was Jacob who decided to go along with the plot. And even if you read that story, it was Isaac who said, wait, how, how did you get the game so quickly when he took the food in? He said, the Lord has been good. <laughs> and you will discover that Isaac was little, you know, worried because he says he was blind, he couldn't see, and he was, it sounds like my son Jacob. 
tell you what, I'll bring him close. Because I know that there's a certain smell that Esau has. And so I'll call him over. So he called him over so he can hug him and felt him. And, oh, it feels like Esau. Smells like him, but he's got the voice of Jacob. And so when Isaac had been deceived, he pronounces a blessing of the firstborn upon Jacob. And Jacob could scarcely get out of the room or the tent where his father was. As time by time he left, here comes Esau, the firstborn. To say, okay, father, I've got the meal, I've prepared it now. Go ahead and eat and give me my blessing. And the father begins to shake violently. Wait a minute, who is that that came in and stole the birthright? And when all was said and done, Esau began to sob and to cry. And said, when my days, my dad's days have ended, when his life is done, I'm going to kill my brother. It was Rebecca who set things in motion. You see, when you began to plan and you do that which is wrong, you set unforeseen things into motion that you had not planned for. Like I told you, doing right in and of itself, it has its own ways. It has its own difficulties. You don't need to add to it. We oftentimes can't see down the road what's going to happen. And we can only see what we're doing and can't even plan that correctly. And Solomon, what is Solomon doing? Solomon in his book is talking about how wisdom and those which are foolish, how they operate. You see, there are some people who can learn from their mistakes. And others who will just keep going right in the same direction. So Jacob participates. And then when, when, when it was discovered that Esau was planning to kill him, his mother said, please send Jacob away to my brother. I don't want him to marry one of these women. So there's another deception. The mother had to try to fix it up because right now she says the only way that I, I, I know how I can get him away is just tell the father I want him to marry someone else, one of his relatives. So he sends him away. If I'm correct, I believe that his mother never saw her son again. He sends him to Laban, but Laban also is a trickster. And so what Jacob thought he was getting into, that I'm going to be able to, saw a young lady and his relative, he saw he was going to marry her, ends up not being able to marry her first, but was tricked into having to marry the sister. When you look at the Bible, I love how the Bible just puts everything in there. Just lets us see it. Doesn't try to hide it. Just lays it all out. Just go, y'all, I tell y'all, read your Bible. Read it, read it. It's fascinating. You don't have to look at that horoscope page. I tell y'all that. <laughs> it don't have anything on the Bible. <laughs> but when we take a look at Jacob, when we look at this matter here, we have to keep in mind that there were things that were set into place in the wrong way. And so sometimes we just have to be very cautious. We need to use precaution. Again, remember this. Remember, remember, remember that if you make a decision and your decision that you make is for something wrong, there's going to be unforeseen consequences. 
There will be things that you hadn't planned for. There will be things that you may have to deal with that you didn't anticipate. So Jacob leaves. He goes to his cousin, his uncle Laban. And you can read the story of what happens. But you will see years later that he's still having to deal with the effects. The Lord finally helps him, but it didn't have to be that way. When you, when you look at Solomon's writings, Solomon talks about gaining wisdom, and he talks about getting wisdom at any cost. It is a person that's willing to listen, that's willing to um, go through life because they have heard people, they have heard instructions, and they're willing to take what people say, even though it may be difficult to go through, difficult to take in, but if it helps you to do that which is right, Solomon says, do whatever you can to gain wisdom. Get it no matter what the cost is. Gain wisdom. Point two, and I'll soon be done. Refusing to listen. When you look at King Saul, the book of Samuel, we find that there are two major times when King Saul refused to listen to Samuel. King Saul was the first king of Israel. It was the people who said, we want a king. We want to be just like everybody else. And the Lord told Samuel to anoint Saul and promise Saul that, he, that God would be with him. God says, I will bless you and be with you if you obey me and you do what I say and you listen to me. I will cause you to prosper. But you find there are two major times when he disobeyed and it cost him the kingdom. It was when Saul would refuse to wait for the sacrifice that needed to be offered. Saul decided that he would offer the sacrifice himself because the people began to run scared when they saw the enemy. It wasn't his job to do that. And Samuel rebuked him. The second time is when the Lord told Saul, I want you to take out, kill Amalek because of how he treated my children and take out everything there. And Saul refused to do what the Lord said. And God said, I'm, I'm sorry that I made him king. You'll find the Lord telling Samuel, I want you to take your flask and go to the house of Jesse. I'm going to have one of his sons anointed. It was after David killed the giant Goliath, and after they're coming back into the city, and the women are singing the praises of King Saul and King David, where the women are saying, Saul has slain his thousands, and David his tens of thousands. That this sin, it galled Saul. It made him angry. He was upset. And the Bible says where he had initially liked David, and David was one to where even was brought into a service. You, you will discover that this sin got him to the point, and to the point to where the Bible says that his outlook, the way he began to view David, changed. The Bible says, a, your Bible may say an evil, but a harmful spirit from the Lord came upon Saul. And he began to eye David. Why, why, why? What's important? It was because Saul refused to do that which was right. If we can put our phones on vibrate. Saul had been blessed by God. And sometimes what happens is when we decide that we don't want to obey God, it sets, other, it sets other things into motion. We want the blessings of God, but we oftentimes 
choose not to obey God. And other things began to happen. You see, wisdom is often displayed when a person is willing to take in what one has to say, something that is wise, and begins to try to live it out. You will find in the book of Ecclesiastes that Solomon is constantly urging young people and people of all generations to accept wisdom. Because why? Why is that important? Because that which is foolish will cause you oftentimes to lose your life early. It will cause you headaches and problems that you would really, really rather avoid. (laughs) Solomon says it is the foolish person who will not listen. And when we consider Saul, the fact that he had been blessed of God, and if you look at the story of even how Saul started, you will discover that Saul was very humble. He, he didn't even really want to be king. But God had come upon him in such a mighty way that, that it was clear that God was working. But we sometimes fail to remember and we don't realize that even though God may use you, it doesn't give you the permission or the right to go do your own thing. God's blessings in your life, they're for the purpose of honoring and giving him glory. And I think sometimes people and and people in general, but we forget how blessed we are and we forget what God has done for us. And then we turn when we become too comfortable. Some people complain about the cost of things. But like I told you, Solomon says, he says, no matter what it costs, you need to get wisdom. You think wisdom is expensive. Try the cost of foolishness. You ever seen those, those shows and those, those uh, well, not even the show, you have a person going to a bar and says, Every, it rounds on me. I'm, t- I'm taking care of everybody. Put it on my tab. Well, I want you to know something. Foolishness always has a running tab. It doesn't end. On and on. It just keeps going. Foolishness has a running tab. And so what is the, what is, what is the important thing that we need to get out of this? We need to understand that when we accept that which is wrong and, and begin to pursue that, with, that which is deceitful, we set things into motion and there are pitfalls and problems that we never anticipated. Be careful of trying to dig a ditch for someone because you may just fall into it. When you look back at the book of Ecclesiastes, you'll often, often, you will also see that he talks about the axe. And when one is going to cut down a tree and that if the axe is dull, well, it will require more strength. So what, what is the wise thing to do? One, well, go sharpen the two. And so what is the important thing is that when you begin to move and to get involved in something, Solomon's his, his instructions are to pause, to ponder, to evaluate, to use wisdom in regards to what you see. If you see danger, if you see problems, the thing that you need to do is to pause and take inventory, and you need to make sure that you are guided by wisdom. You discover that it's the foolish person that will not listen to anybody. But they will go on and do whatever 
they want to do. So when, when precaution needs to be taken, as I said, is this title. We need to know that we need to use precaution. Some of you right now may be dealing with some things in your life. And, and you've got to be so careful because you can make the wrong decision with something that's very, very important. That's what Rebecca did. She was going to steal the birthright. Saul decided that, well, I'm going to just disobey. I'm going to do my own thing and try to act like it's honoring God. No. No. It's obedience to the word of God. It's obedience. Let me go back and pick up a verse 9 of Ecclesiastes. He who quarries stones is hurt by them, and he who splits logs is endangered by them. If the iron is blunt and one does not sharpen the edge, he must use more strength. But wisdom helps one to succeed. As I was saying, it's the wise person that takes a look in inventory and can say, wait a minute. We need to take a look at what we're doing. Stop and pause and do that which is right. So if the iron is blunt... Solomon said it requires wisdom to know that in order to get the most out of this work, one may need to sharpen the tool that has to be used. You may have to sharpen your mind, your brain, based on what needs to be done. You can't run off emotions and feelings. You've got to be able to look at a situation and make the decision based on what needs to be done. And he goes on to say, in fact, I want to back up just one, one to verse 8, the end of verse 8. And a serpent will bite him who breaks through a wall. I want to go back to just that verse briefly. As I mentioned to you, when we look at verses, and I didn't mention this before, when we look at verses 8 and 9, they go together. 10 and 11, there are pairs that you see um, that's laid out. What's called aphorisms, I believe it's called, where you look at a a short saying where there is a statement that has truth that can be applied to various situations. Very short sayings such as one maybe that we oftentimes hear sometimes said is work work smarter, not harder, different types of statements. In the state, in the short sayings that's here, the short wise things, when in Jerusalem one was going to build, it was often known that snakes lived in the stones, in the blocks, in the concrete, and that if one was not careful and one went to go get some stones to build, one could bring a venomous snake, an ass, a snake, a poisonous snake, and set it in place or lean against the wall and be bitten because there were snakes and creatures in those stones. That's where they lived. Most of the buildings took place. There were, they were, the stones were not cut. And so they would have poisonous snakes. And so when, when Solomon mentions, and a serpent will bite him who breaks through a wall, there are different interpretations that come from that. One is believed that if one tries to tear down a border or a wall that separates and is trying to do wrong, that one will eventually be hurt by the very thing that they're doing. 
and one puts their hand against a wall, and unknowingly there's a snake in there that bites the person. And so Solomon makes this mention, but it was known that snakes lived in these crevices, and one had to be careful because one could be bitten. And then he goes on to verse 11 that talks about that if a snake is not charmed, and if the person that is trying to charm the snake gets bitten, it doesn't benefit that person. What is he saying? That if one doesn't slow down and first do those things to prepare, one can be hurt in the process because one was going so fast through. You see, snakes can't hear. They often use vibration. Their tongues, their body feels vibration, but they don't have external ears to hear. And oftentimes when you see those snake charmers, it's not because they're hearing the music. Often noticing how the person is swaying and moving, and that's what's charming them. We have to be so very careful that wisdom is used because there can be dangers because we refuse to stop and pay attention and to watch what needs to happen. What is Solomon saying? What's important? That... Wisdom has to be applied in life. And one has to be very careful in what one does. We need to know there needs to be precaution that's taken in this life. Rebecca chose her own way. King Saul chose his own way. What are you choosing? Have you chosen to do that which is right, even though you might try to get over in the wrong way, think, I really want this, I'm going to do what's wrong. I want you to know there are pitfalls that you don't see. So how do I use wisdom? Wisdom will help you choose what is right, even though there are difficulties that may be embedded in it. You plan to do that which is wrong, you're going to fall into things that you do not see that you did not anticipate. Stand to your feet. When precaution needs to be taken, you may be facing major decisions right now. What are you going to do? Wisdom says slow down, evaluate, choose that which is right. Rebecca chose that which she thought would give her son her favorite, what he, she wanted him to have, and what, well, what she desired for him, for him, but it caused a major fallout in the in the family. Can you imagine also for Esau in that household with his mom? What things must have been like afterward? Because he knew that he had to be involved. Can you imagine? Could you imagine King Saul every time he saw David, and on a couple of occasions tried to kill David? Because wrong decisions were made. I'm not sure what you may be facing or dealing with. Opportunity today to choose wisdom. You have the opportunity today to choose that which is right. Knowing that there may be difficulties, but believe me, wisdom is ultimately what you need. The Bible says in James, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives generously to all without finding fault. 
Today, Lord, we are thankful to you for your grace and your mercy and your, your help. Today, may we not dick pitch for anybody. We may fall in. And we even know that just in doing regular hard work that there are challenges within just doing that that we face. We pray that we don't try to tear down borders and boundaries because we may be hurt in the process. That we will stop and pause and take precaution before proceeding to that in which decisions need to be made. We thank you today for allowing us to be in this place. We thank you for your grace, your mercy, your love, your kindness. We thank you for the word of God. Today we we take our confidence in you. That no matter what may happen in life, no matter what comes up, no matter what transpires, if we allow you to God guide us. Oh my Lord, it really will come out okay. May it always be what we want it to be. But my God, when we allow you to give us your wisdom and your and, and follow your guidance, it really is the best path. We thank you today and we honor you. We bless you. Now we give all glory to you. Now will you keep us as we leave today? Guide us and give us what we need to honor you in this life. We give the glory to you in Jesus' name. Amen. May the Lord bless you. We'll see you later this week. God bless you.